Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. General even double down on that. But this double is about security for the justices. An armed man showed up near Justice Kavanaugh's house to try to. We're working together on the bill that the Senate will be able to approve of because that's what we can pass whatever we want here. We want it to be able to pass the Senate. So I don't know what you're talking about because evidently you haven't seen what the debate is. And not debate, but what the language is. There will be a bill, but nobody is in danger over the weekend because uh, of our not having a bill. Hello, I'm Mark Levin. That's Nancy Pelosi. She refuses to put the Senate bill past unanimously Democrats and Republicans. Every single Democrat and Republican voted for it. A first. Sent to her almost two months ago. She refuses to bring the bill up for a vote. And she refuses to do it because she disagrees with the first draft opinion respecting Roe and also because they're trying to make an issue out of the staffers, including the staffer who leaked the draft opinion and lit the fuse to the flame that's burning even today with the attempt to assassinate Associate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So we're going to go into the weekend without this bill having been passed. This is a bill that actually will protect the justices. It requires them to get the kind of protection that members of Congress have. She will be protected all through the weekend. She's been protected 
from the very beginning. We have an assassination threat and attempt on a justice who they despise, on a justice whom they have dehumanized, on a court that they've been at war with over and over and over again, on a court which they seek to strip its independence and turn it into a Soviet-style, Mao-style court. And their base, their mob, is violent, and their mob has always been violent, despite the best efforts of their corrupt media and them to suggest that Republicans are violent. And the National Guard is on call just in case. Their mob doesn't like decisions that are made on abortion and the Second Amendment. The National Guard's not on call because of pro-lifers or pro-Second Amendment citizens. Now, that bill sits there today. She is an abomination. This January 6th committee is an absolute abomination, and I encourage you strongly to not watch these hearings unless you enjoy Soviet-style show trials. I've been making the point, you can see it's now resonating, that this is the first time that I'm aware of in American history that a congressional committee, so to speak, is made up of 100% individuals chosen by the majority party, chosen by the Speaker of the House, and what that means. What you're not going to hear from this committee tonight are certain words like show trial, star chamber, tyranny of the legislature, separation of powers. Because they're violating all of those principles and endorsing the wrong principles. You know, in a courtroom, you have all kind of rules based on the truism that justice, truth, and fairness requires the ability of the accused to effectively defend him or herself. You have a judge, you have a jury of peers, you have a government lawyer, and you have the defendant's lawyer. You have rules of evidence that apply to both sides. You have discovery, especially helpful to the defendant. And on and on and on. Build on 4,000 years of human experience. The experience in Athens... Long time ago. And beyond. And beyond. And when our Constitution was established, the House of Representatives was created as the only federal body directly elected by the people. No other. It was to be the body in which we, the people, all the people are represented. And there have been rules in place adjusted from time to time, but the tradition is to ensure that all the people and their representatives have a voice. Doesn't mean they win the votes if they're in the minority. Doesn't mean they control the agenda if they're in the minority. 
but a recognition that there is a minority, a recognition that 50% of the American people are represented by that minority at any given time, as are 50% of the majority, as it moves between minority and majority based on elections. What's the purpose of that? The purpose is to ensure national tranquility. The purpose is to avoid tyranny. The tyranny of the majority, the tyranny of the legislature. There's a reason. Every single speaker of the House of Representatives before this one conducted themselves in a way that ensured, even if they didn't like it, that everybody's voice was heard. Every committee has a majority and a minority, but they have a minority. The ranking minority member is chosen, essentially, by the leader of their party, not the leader of the other party. This committee, in its operation, rejects concepts that have been developed over thousands of years. When it comes to a justice system and individuals who are compelled to testify in their personal papers and their records, with their freedom on the line, and the right of an opposition to raise questions, to raise objections, to demand their own witnesses, to have their own testimony. None of that, none of it has occurred in this instance. None of it. They say a thousand witnesses have been called. That's a thousand witnesses by the Democrat Party. Why do you need a thousand witnesses? Have you ever heard a trial with a thousand witnesses? It's as I said last night. 100,000 puzzle pieces to try and cherry pick and edit and paste together a conspiracy. Without challenge on the committee from the opposition party. Without questions raised about due process. Without question raised about the evidence. Again, as I explained last night. Then there's the issue of separation of powers. Congress has no power to conduct criminal investigations. Period. The tyranny of the legislature was a concern of the framers of the Constitution. The British Parliament was not an example that they wanted to replicate in this country, given its tyranny. Even though the word democracy will be thrown around over and over and over again, we're not a democracy here, we're a republic, a constitutional republic. And it is this committee that has threatened this republic, the very existence of this republic. It has taken January 6th and has sought to exploit every bit of it. It has sought to use January 6th to try and tie the former president of the United States to an insurrection that never occurred. There was no insurrection, not by basic definition, not by legal definition. 
There was no insurrection. Period. Period. We have a war on the Supreme Court that's been taking place. That's an insurrection. Because we have people in Congress with power that can actually can actually accomplish what they're demanding. Destroying the independence of the court. Violating separation of powers. Eliminating the filibuster rule so a mere majority as a result of a single election can destroy the makeup of the court. That's an insurrection. Intentionally leaving over the borders so millions of people can come here illegally. Fentanyl pouring over the borders. For all we know, firearms and rifles pouring over the border. Criminals. Drug cartels getting a a foothold into various cities in this country. That's an insurrection. We have information that I'm sure will not be emphasized or somehow will be blunted. We first got it actually on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Information that the Speaker of the House was offered ten to 20,000 guardsmen four days before January 6th, on January 2nd. The acting Secretary of Defense, his chief of staff, the chief of staff to the president have all said so, openly, publicly, on the record. When this committee is done, we will have no idea why Nancy Pelosi chose not to protect the Capitol building. We have a report, reported by Just the News and the great John Solomon, of over 50 examples of incompetence at the top of the Capitol Police. The top person appointed by Pelosi. None of that is the subject of their investigation. None of it. We have a grand jury that's been set up by Merrick Garland and Biden's U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. for the purpose of prosecuting people that served Donald Trump. to take referrals from this committee, which has approximately 11 former federal prosecutors, even though that's not its job, to catch people, their memories, their texts, their emails, in a star chamber, a windowless room, which I'm told they were grilled. That includes private citizens who had nothing to do with anything. They wake up and they find out that their emails and their text messages have been collected by this committee without their consent, in fact, without their knowledge. They skirt the Bill of Rights. They skirt the rules of criminal procedure and evidence. And then they turn this information over to Merrick Garland and his U.S. attorney and the grand jury. All of a sudden, what was a legislative procedure now targets them in a criminal procedure. That is utterly and completely unconstitutional. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. One of the things that's being done here is the commingling of a candidate's right to challenge an election process and obstruction. A candidate, including the sitting president of the United States, has every right, every right to challenge an election process, and not just in court. There is absolutely nothing in the United States Constitution that gives judicial review to state courts over the election process. Now, they've assumed that authority in many respects. It's a political process. It's what it is. It's a constitutional, granted, political process. If a president wants legal advice because he believes he has enough information to suggest fraud or the changing of laws and violation of the federal constitution and so forth, he has every right to fight that. Al Gore fought the election in 2000. He went to the courts. Many members of his party during the county process objected to George Bush being president of the United States. Now, this is going to be a critically important point. So I'm not going to rush it in 90 seconds. We're going to take a break and then we're going to lay it out and explain it with some uh, substance and detail. So I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. 
Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Folks, you're here for a reason. Because you want to hear something substantive, unique, and I think thoughtful. That's why I'm under constant attack. They'd love nothing more than to shut me down. It's not going to happen. But I want to go through this with you because there's a key issue that has come up and is going to come up, and you will be the only ones that really understand this. The only ones who really understand this. I wrote about this in Men in Black, which was my first book, The Florida Election, back in 2000. But it was very important then, and it's very important now, I believe. And it's this. There were several questions raised about that election. Several constitutional questions raised about that election. In Bush versus Gore. One of the issues was the Supreme Court of Florida kept changing the, the recount process multiple times. The court was very radical left. It had no Republican appointees on it, much like this committee. And it was violating Article 2 of the Constitution, where the power is with the state legislature, which made the rules. And I wrote back then in National Review, and I wrote back then in my book, Men in Black, that the answer was with the Florida State Legislature. I wrote, quote, the Florida Legislature could have and in fact was preparing to intervene and name a slate of electors if the Florida Supreme Court continued to interfere with the election. The legislature, which was controlled by the Republican Party in 2000, had absolute authority under the Constitution to choose Florida's members of the Electoral College. This was another reason why Gore's litigation strategy was never going to succeed in winning him the Florida electoral votes that he needed to become president. But before the Florida State Legislature acted, the federal Supreme Court stepped in. This is one of the things I had argued at the time. The Rehnquist Court had had enough, but the Roberts Court sat on its hands because Roberts is no Rehnquist. I've gone back and I looked at December 6, 2000. Florida legislature calls special session to name presidential electors. Tallahassee, Florida, CNN. Seeking to ensure the integrity of Florida's 25 votes in the Electoral College, the state's Republican-controlled legislature announced Wednesday it will convene a special session at the end of the week to consider appointing the state's presidential electors. Quote, we're protecting Florida's 25 electoral votes and its 6 million voters, said President of the Senate, John McKay. And the session is set to convene in two days on Friday. Both McKay and the State House Speaker, Tom Feeney, a Republican, said they hoped legislation establishing a slate of electors would be unnecessary, 
particularly Florida's Supreme Court resolves the contested presidential race between Republican George W. Bush and Al Gore. The action today is done so with considerable reluctance on my part due to the potential far-reaching effects of any actions, McKay said. What we will do may impact the course of our country, and that is why I've approached the legislature's role in this matter in a cautious and thoughtful manner. Badly outnumbered Florida Democrats move quickly to criticize the leadership's actions. House Minority Leader Lois Frankel, she's now a reprobate in the U.S. Congress, accused McCain Feeney of working in tandem with the Bush campaign's operations in the Sunshine State. Now, we know they worked with Bush's brother, Jeb Bush. He was the governor. And the Florida legislature was right. It was right. Now, listen to me. This is important. The Republican legislatures in the battleground states at issue had every right if their authority was violated under Article 2 of the federal constitution, as here, every right to appoint the electors themselves. That's not something that you want to see. But if a governor or a state court or state secretary of state or board of elections violates Article 2 of the Constitution, seizing power that is specifically delegated by the federal Constitution to the state legislatures. They didn't say the state. They said the state legislatures. Then the legislature has the right to push back. I don't expect former federal prosecutors on this committee to understand any of this. They don't understand this. This is not what they're trained to do, and they don't care. They have obstruction in their minds. That's what they've been told to do. You're obstructing the election. If, and I don't even know if it's true, but if the President of the United States and his lawyers, again, I have no firsthand knowledge, I'm just saying, if... They were to contact Republican leaders in these state legislatures and make the case. They should consider sending their own slate of electors. Because a governor or a state court or a state secretary of state or a state board of elections went rogue. And violated Article 2 of the United States Constitution. And the Supreme Court refused, refused. To even entertain an appeal. It is left to the state legislatures. Really not even the courts. Not even the Supreme Court. To make the final decision on the electors. There is literally nothing illegal about that. There is literally nothing unconstitutional about that. That's not obstruction. What did I say at the beginning? This is a political process. Granted. Created. By the United States Constitution. Where the legislatures have the ultimate say. 
Now, that doesn't mean the legislature can itself violate its own constitutional powers. Doesn't mean the legislature can violate federal constitutional authority. That would make no sense. In other words, the legislature is not free to be lawless. Legislature can't say, for instance, no Democrat electors under any circumstances, even if the people vote overwhelmingly for the Democrat candidate for president, that would be unconstitutional under the federal constitution for many reasons, let alone the Equal Protection Clause in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. But putting that aside, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, does a state legislature roll over and play dead when another branch in the state or a bureaucrat in the state takes actions that are ultra-virus without authority? Or can it stand up and fight it? We've had cases in American history where two slates of electors have been sent to the Congress via the archivist of the United States. And the Congress would make the final say. That's not obstruction. That's not an effort to interfere with an official count of the Congress. That's part of the process. That's part of the process. So if a lawyer is giving the President of the United States, Donald Trump, this kind of advice... And if they make political contacts and have political conversations about the elections in this way, that's not criminal. That's not a coup. It's none of those things. We had a Democrat on this committee today who went unchallenged, interviewed by a friend and colleague of mine. And she said, well, Judge Carter, he's a federal district judge appointed by Obama in California, and he's considered quite the radical. Judge Carter said that there was a, uh, a criminal scheme. This is a judge who's taken up the John Eastman matter. John Eastman is a lawyer who was giving President Trump advice. Now they're threatening to take away his law license in California. They're threatening to prosecute him, this committee, making a referral to Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. They're threatening to prosecute. I've never seen attorney-client privilege, attorney work product, confidentiality between an attorney and his client so violated as I have when it comes to Donald Trump. I've never seen anything like this. And, of course, the bar in this state and that state and the American bar, they could care less. They've surrendered their principles and their rules of professional ethics. They could care less. Judge Carter, when he issued that statement in his opinion, should have been punished by any judicial ethics committee worth its salt. You don't give your opinion from the federal bench. The case was not in front of this court on whether or not there was a widespread criminal violation by Donald Trump or anybody else. Those facts were not before this court. What a disgrace. And yet there you have, of course, 
a Democrat on this committee citing this judge. Citing this judge. And then the next question, which I'll address again after the break. I've addressed it before. Does the vice president have the power to do anything at all, anything, when confronted with a situation where he believes or may believe that the electors chosen and sent to the archivist and through the archivist to Congress are somehow tainted by a violation of Article 2 of the federal constitution in the state. Is there an obligation that the vice president is the president of the Senate overseeing this process? That he has, because he's taken an oath to uphold the constitution. Or must he, as I originally said, wrongly, and former Judge J. Michael Ludig apparently continues to say, among others, that the vice president must pull out his rubber stamp and stamp the results. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Very simply, the Constitution says nothing. Nothing about the power of the Vice President as the President of the Senate when it comes to the counting of electors. Nothing. The Vice President has taken an oath. He has sworn. Sworn on his Bible to uphold the Constitution of the United States. What does that mean? Where the Constitution is silent. So when we have people who are definitively saying there was absolutely nothing Pence could do, there was absolutely something Pence could do, they're both liars. They're both liars. Now, if it were me, and I took an oath to the Constitution, and I believed that electors were chosen in an unconstitutional matter, whether it's this election or any election, it would be my oath to the Constitution that would matter to me. I would not want to be part and parcel to anything that I thought was irregular illegal, let alone unconstitutional. And what I'm telling you about both of these issues 
is not eccentric. It's not weird. It's not extreme. It's factual. And the great thing about what I do here is you can check me. Go look at your constitution. You can check me. You don't have to listen to the critics, the attackers, to the frauds, the phonies. Just check it. Was the Florida State Legislature about to appoint its own electors or not? Because it had enough with the Florida Supreme Court as the deadline was looming. Is the vice president prevented from taking any remedial steps as the overseer of this process? If he believes it violates the Constitution, where does it say that? Now, he can't just recklessly conduct himself in a manner as if he's a king. But nobody's asking that. The issues relative to certain electors in certain states. On the other hand, if the vice president believes the election was copacetic, that the arguments raised in these various states are illegitimate, then he doesn't have to act either, does he? Because the Constitution is silent. What he has to do is uphold his obligation to the Constitution. This committee has no intention of having this discussion or this debate. None. This committee's intent is to destroy anybody who gets in the way of their objective. That's why some of the lawyers who advise the president, and I don't know what they all advise the president, but that's why they want to destroy them and take their law licenses away. That's why they threatened law firms who might dare to represent the president. This committee is not about debate, challenges, different viewpoints. This is a Stalinist-style committee with no opposition whatsoever. I urge you to boycott it. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Don't dare leave me for that damn committee hearing, folks. The Democrats are holding watching parties all over the country, urged by the DNC and their candidates. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Watching parties. It's a big party for them. And you've paid for all of it the abuse and misuse of the House of Representatives. The third-ranking Republican in the House, Elise Stefanik, will be on the program literally in 15 minutes. So I hope you'll be listening. Last night, 
Joe Biden was on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Nobody watches that show. Do you realize my ratings on most Sundays are bigger than all these nighttime shows, Mr. Producer? And they're on network TV. I'm on cable TV. And Joe Biden was well aware that Brett Kavanaugh was the subject of a possible assassination attempt. That was the goal. And I pointed out on Hannity last night, and I'm pointing out again. This president hasn't said a thing about it. He hasn't issued a statement. It reminds me of the summer 2020. The arson, the larceny, the burglary. The killings. They've rewritten history, but he said nothing for the longest time. They had to pull his false teeth to finally say something. A very passive short statement that he issued. He didn't come to the defense of the cops and law and order. The president of the United States and the vice president of the United States have not said a thing. The speaker of the house, the third in line is sitting on a bill that would protect the justices. They've all gone on for the week. (laughs) The media in this country is pointed out by newsbusters, is pointed out by legal insurrection, is pointed out by many people, have no interest in the assassination plot against a Supreme Court justice. None. It was not on the front page of the New York Times. They treated it like they treated the Holocaust in the 1930s and 40s. Pushed it to page 20. Page 20! Can you imagine? Page 20. USA Today didn't cover it at all. Not a word. Nothing. And as our friends at Newsbusters point out, this January 6th hearing tonight received three times the amount of time of coverage by the big three networks as the assassination plot against a Supreme Court justice. And I explained why this would happen and why this would be the case. And it's not just this. It's throughout the culture. Because the Democrats and the Democrats in the media and their surrogates have created this environment. Chuck Schumer created this environment. Nancy Pelosi created this environment. They've turned Kavanaugh into a non-human. They've turned Clarence Thomas into a non-human. And they've tried to turn Trump into a monster. Anything goes. And so Biden, on this slob Jimmy Kimmel show, low IQ, warns of a mini-revolution if the Supreme Court dares to overturn Roe v. Wade in the face of the violent mob on the left and even after this assassination plot was uncovered the Democrats the Marxists still marched on Kavanaugh's home last night and still the Attorney General of the United States didn't arrest a single one of them even though they clearly violated 18 United States Code 1507. 
It's a felony. Meanwhile, they arrested a top opponent of the Democrat governor of Michigan. Arrested for so-called alleged misdemeanor violations on January 6th. How do you like that timing, ladies and gentlemen? Slowly but surely, and the courts there have thrown out three other Republicans. The governor of Michigan's going to have an easy walk into re-election because they're knocking out her opponents. Here's Biden on Kimmel last night. Cut 17, go. It's clear that if, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does and these states impose the limitations they're talking about, it's going to cause a mini revolution. They're going to vote a lot of these folks out of office. We got to keep it focused on if some, if you if they overrule. Well, no, we that's wait. enough. He's mumbling on. Is that not a threat to the Supreme Court? If you rule as the leaked, just look at the lawlessness here. First of all, a left-wing clerk, likely, leaks the first draft. Never done before in American history. The Democrats run to the defense of the person. They don't even know who the person is. They don't even know who the person is. But the person, they're treating like Rosa Parks. Whoever it is. This person will be a civil rights leader for women's causes. Because we all know women want abortion on demand right up to the last second. How do we know the Democrats tell us? They're not even trying to protect Roe versus Wade. This has almost nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. What they want is what they said they wanted two weeks ago when they voted on the floor of the Senate. Every Democrat, bar one, Manchin, voted for abortion on demand in the last second before birth that's a baby Roe doesn't say that in the last trimester Roe says there's a state interest in protecting the baby they're not even interested in Roe anymore that's way too passive that's way too conservative but here you have Biden on national TV threatening the potential of a mini-revolution, or quote-unquote predicting it, as the left likes to see, a dog whistle. To their angry, violent mob. And let's stop playing games. The left is violent, and they're violent all the time. The violent people on January 6th, they get no support from you or me. None. But there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people there on January 6th, who had no idea what was going on and had no, no role in it whatsoever. They're throwing the book of people who they claim are parading on public policy, uh, property, trespassing. And here we have a federal statute that prohibits people from protesting at the homes of Supreme Court justices. It's a felony. And they won't charge a soul. And... Rather than imagine threats, a real live threat with a real charge of attempted murder against a Supreme Court justice. The media won't cover it. Pelosi 
won't do anything about it in terms of legislation. And you're all to focus on January 6th. They created this environment. They do not want their narrative interrupted. They've cleared their schedules for tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you need to make sure you don't participate. I sure as hell am not. We will have the relevant clips as necessary here so I can respond to them. There's no opposition tonight. There's nobody to confront them. There's nobody to call other witnesses. There's nobody to challenge the methodology that they used. Nobody. That's never been done in American history except maybe the Salem witch trials. And then, of course, they bring in Hollywood and the former president of the ABC News Network to pull it all together like a miniseries. And the Democrats are hoping this will change your view of what they've done to the economy, the border, your income, the value of the dollar, your baby formula, your food, gasoline, and everything else. When we return, scheduled, at least Stefanik. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Representative Elise Stefanik is the number three Republican in the House. Her colleagues voted Liz Cheney out and replaced Cheney with Stefanik. Congresswoman, how are you? Great to be with you, Mark. It's a pleasure. I have never seen a miscarriage of not just justice, of our entire legislative process like this. We have an entire committee appointed by Nancy Pelosi. No opposition whatsoever. No witnesses called by Republicans. A staff picked strictly by the Democrats, including some 11 former federal prosecutors. So in other words, no other side. I don't know of any instance where Congress has done this any time in its history. We don't do it in our courtrooms. They're throwing away thousands of years of progress when it comes to testing of evidence, testing arguments, testing testimony. And then we're told we ought to watch this to find out what happened on January 6th. What do you make of this? It is absolutely shameless. And you are exactly right, Mark. This is shredding 
precedent of 232 years of the House. This is the first time in the history of Congress that uh, the minority party, in this case, the Republicans, were not able to appoint members of a select committee. Um, We appointed those members, but Pelosi wouldn't seat two of them and stripped our ability to have uh, that voice there. And why is that important? It's important because even when we look back to the impeachment witch hunt, which I was on the Intelligence Committee for, there were Republican members in the basement bunker with Adam Schiff to be able to cross-examine the witnesses, to look at the evidence, to call out the Democrats when they were breaking the rules, when they were taking information out of context. That's not what this committee is. This committee is only hand-picked Nancy Pelosi parrots and puppets. And what's really shameless about it, Mark, is it's a primetime hearing. You and I both know that a typical congressional hearing happens during work hours, usually at 10 a.m., and goes throughout the day because that's when Congress does their work. Not only is it at 8 p.m., they hired an executive producer from ABC News, former president of ABC News, who, by the way, covered up for Jeff Epstein and refused to allow his victims uh, to speak out on that network. They hired this individual with taxpayer funds to produce, you know, a prime time what they believe will be a blockbuster. But my belief is that the American people are smart. They see right through this. They care about the baby formula shortage, inflation, sky high gas prices, the crime crisis in America. And Democrats are so desperate to change the narrative that they fail on all those issues. So they want to use this political witch hunt to distract from that. Now, Lee Stefanik, why would you need 1000 witnesses and 140,000 documents? Unless you don't have a smoking gun and you got to concoct one, you got to put a hundred thousand puzzle pieces together by cherry picking texts, cherry picking emails. The opposition isn't there to raise objections or have other witnesses or challenge anything. This kind of overarching or overreaching, doesn't this demonstrate what they're actually up to? Absolutely. I mean, they are desperate. And you talk about cherry picking. They've already doctored uh, some of the evidence that they have put out from the committee. I point to the doctored text from Jim Jordan. We called them out on that. Uh, They tried to, again, cherry pick, not provide the full context to smear a member of Congress who, by the way, is very popular across America and is known for being one of the best investigators we have in the United States Congress. So we know they're cherry picking. They also wanted to cherry pick the members. Uh, And that's why they booted off two of the Republican appointees and only allowed Nancy Pelosi's appointed members on the committee. And I believe the reason why they truly don't want Republicans, you know, appointed by Republican members is because much of the evidence at the end of the day, I believe, would point to the speaker's office. The Democratic head of this committee said the only office that's off limits to this investigation is Speaker Pelosi's office. Why is this important? It's important because the speaker's office oversees the security of the Capitol. And I believe that they don't want to answer questions. And we know they don't want to turn over documents related to the intelligence, to the warnings and the fact that the U.S. Capitol Police was ill prepared that day. We have since found out the U.S. Capitol Police were at half staff. We now know that they were not provided with proper equipment, and many of them had outdated equipment. We also know that there were intelligence warnings that were ignored by the Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell's office actually produced the documents during the bipartisan investigation in the Senate. It's only Speaker Pelosi's office that has failed to make those documents available. 
Well, hopefully, if and when the Republicans take the House, they'll have a real review of security at the Capitol building and Speaker Pelosi's office will be priority number one. Because if Congress well, is serious about protecting itself, then it really does need to find out what went wrong, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And you make a really important point. Not only is it important to make sure that we uh, improve the security posture of the United States Capitol, which is essentially the people's house. Um, Republicans have already been doing that. After we were kicked off the committee, the appointees by Kevin McCarthy, we made sure that the Republican members have been conducting their own investigation. And we intend to publish a report in the coming weeks. Uh, to make sure that not only is the truth out there from our perspective, obviously we uh, are not in the majority, so we don't have subpoena power at this time, uh, but some of the whistleblowers that have come forward from the Capitol Police, et cetera, all that needs to be out there for the American people to hear. And most importantly, why Nancy Pelosi won't answer these basic questions related to the security of the Capitol. What's more is there have already been bipartisan investigations and recommendations as to improvements that should be made regarding the uh, security and Democrat leadership. Speaker Pelosi has not acted on many of those recommendations. So this is not about improving the security posture. This is just about targeting and going after their political opponents. It is a partisan witch hunt. They want to continue to smear Donald Trump, smear his voters and smear Republican members of Congress. And of course, they've they've thrown such a uh, a big net out there. They're pulling in private citizens. People find later after the fact that their phone records and their emails have been accumulating in these offices. Uh, these so-called uh, prosecutors who are there, uh, Congress does not have the power to conduct criminal investigations. And my view is they've been trying to do this on the sly to give the information to a very partisan Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney violating the Bill of Rights, going through the back door, and uh, that this in and of itself, again, is trampling all over our Constitution. No? Yes, I agree with you. And look at the politicization of the Department of Justice. Look at what Peter Navarro has just gone through mm. in terms of the Department of Justice going after, uh, in unprecedented ways, political opponents of Joe Biden. Joe Biden, actually, the president of the United States is on record saying he wants the Department of Justice to pursue these. That's really using it as a political arm, and it's unprecedented. You know, that's interesting because the Democrats always accused the Republicans, and it was not the Republicans. We had uh, a law and order focused Department of Justice. It's the Democrats that have used and really shredded the precedent and are shredding the Constitution in using their, you know, government power, unified government right now to go after private citizens in unprecedented ways. Elise Stefanik, you're terrific. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work and God bless you. Verizon, AT&T and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast and save 50% off your first month. 
You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Plastic conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. At least Stefanik is a thousand percent improvement over Liz Cheney, isn't she? Smarter, more intelligent, more principled. And she didn't get to Congress because of her last name, because her father held that seat or was vice president of the United States. She earned it the old-fashioned way. To have enormous respect for her. An insurrection, really? An insurrection. Even the people who broke into the Capitol building, did they shoot somebody? No, they didn't shoot anybody. But one of the people who was peacefully protesting was shot dead right in the neck. As she lay on the floor bleeding out. And she couldn't believe that she was dying. She couldn't believe it. A veteran. The media lie. Nora O'Donnell, CBS, lies. New York Times, lies. Five police officers were not killed that day. They're trying to make this even worse than it actually was, even though the violence was bad enough. Good old John Solomon, Just the News. Trump Pentagon first offered National Guard to Capitol four days before the January 6th riots memo shows. How can you lead an insurrection when you're offering up the United States Army, the National Guard, to protect against violence? You're supposed to ignore that. Official Capitol Police timeline validates Trump administration's account shows Democrats' fateful rejections of offers. Seems absolutely illogical, one official wrote about security postures hours before the riot began. Pentagon first raised the possibility of sending National Guard troops to the U.S. Capitol four days before the January 6th riots, setting in motion a series of rejections by Capitol Police and Democrats. They left Congress vulnerable as threats of violence were rising, according to government memos that validate Trump administration officials' long-held claims. An official, I'm sure this will not be entered into the record uh, tonight, an official timeline of the January 6th tragedy assembled by Capitol Police shows that a Defense Department official reached out to a Capitol Police Deputy Chief, Sean Gallagher, on January 2, 2021, to see if a request for troops was forthcoming. But the offer was quickly rejected after a consultation with then-Chief Steve Sund, who was appointed by Pelosi. Carol Corbin, DOD, texts USCP Deputy Chief Sean Gallagher, Protective Service Bureau, to determine whether the U.S. Capitol Police is considering a request for National Guard soldiers for January 6th event, quote-unquote. This is what the timeline reads in the lone entry listed for Saturday, January 2. 2021. How come this wasn't published in the New York Times or the Washington Post? These are, hypoth- these are uh, rhetorical questions. 
The following morning, the timeline states, Gallagher replies to DOD via text that a request for National Guard support not forthcoming at this time after consultation with Chief of Police Sund, quote-unquote. And they have the full police timeline on their article, which, of course, will be part of all the sources I use tonight at MarkLevinShow.com. The rejection came as the Capitol Police Department was beginning to change its assessment, recognizing that the massive Trump rally to protest the November 2020 election results planned for January 6 had the potential for violence. Earlier analyses suggested such violence was unlikely, and the January 6 event was likely to be, quote, similar to the previous million MAGA March rallies in November and December, unquote. Police records show. You know, it's really by an act of fate that my family and I weren't there. I just wasn't in the mood to go, Mr. Producer. But it was 30 miles away. I could have easily been in that group. I don't mean in the group breaking into the Capitol, but among the hundreds of thousands hanging back. Can you imagine? To be swept up in a government-motivated criminal enterprise? My name would have been splashed all over the place? For what? But I didn't go. In fact, I couldn't even remember what day it was or what time it was, this event that is. Plus, I don't like going to these things. Anyway, earlier analyses suggested such violence was unlikely. For instance, Capitol Police had determined that as of December 16, 2020, there was, quote, no information regarding specific disruptions or acts of civil disobedience targeting this function. But by late December, Capitol Police internal emails and documents show information began flowing in that some groups expected to attend were talking on social media or fringe websites about tactics like blocking tunnels leading to the Capitol. See, the question is, what did Nancy Pelosi know and when did she know it? What was she advised? If you're really interested in protecting the building, you've got to know what the person in charge of the building had done or had failed to do. And that's why Nancy Pelosi's office and she and her staff and her records, electronic and physical, are off limits. On Sunday, January 3, just hours after Gallagher rejected the Pentagon's initial offer, the Capitol Police issued a new and darker security assessment to its commanders and executives and to the two political appointees in Congress responsible for security, the House and Senate sergeants-at-arms, the timeline shows. Quote, due to the tense political environment following the 2020 election, the threat of disrupt actions or violence cannot be ruled out, unquote, the new assessment declared. Supporters of the current president, this is a quote, see January 6th as the last opportunity to overturn the results of the presidential election. This sense of desperation and disappointment may lead to more of an incentive to become violent, unquote. So they knew a potential existed. I'm aware of nothing Pelosi did. Nothing. In addition to the usual practices, or maybe even worse, to protect that building. Within 24 hours, 
Son had changed his mind and began seeking permission from the political power surrounding House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer to deploy the National Guard as a preventive measure on Monday, January 4. So they were alerted. And they were asked. The Capitol Police official timeline provides the most succinct summary of a series of events around Sun's request as the head of the Capitol Police, some of which have been disputed and at times misreported in the news media. Chief of Police Sun, I quote, asked Sergeant, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger and House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving for authority to have National Guard to assist with security for the January 6th event based on briefing with law enforcement partner and revised intelligence assessment. This is what the timeline recorded. Quote, Chief of Police Sun's request is denied. Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, the House Sergeant-at-Arms tell Sun to contact General Walker at the D.C. National Guard to discuss the Guard's ability to support a request if needed. Walker, according to the police timeline, told Sun that if the chief could change minds and eventually get the approval from Capitol officials, his team could deploy 125 troops quickly. While Sun's requests were being delayed and denied, the Pentagon was forging ahead on January 4 to get Trump to formally sign authorizations to deploy in advance of January 6 as many as 20,000 National Guard troops if Congress asked. According to interviews, Just the News has done with then-acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller and his Chief of Staff Cash Patel. Quote, We went to the Capitol Police and the Secret Service and law enforcement agencies and Mayor of Washington, Bowser, days before January 6 and asked them, Do you want thousands of National Guardsmen and women for January 6? Patel said in a detailed interview earlier this year, I wonder if that interview was me on Life, Liberty, and Levin, because Patel did provide all that information to me months and months ago and to you on the program. They all said no. Why did we do that? The law requires them to request it before we can deploy them. The Department of Defense IG found we did not delay. We actually prepared in a preemptive fashion, which is what we do at DOD. They're reaching out. They're reaching out over and over and over again. You need National Guardsmen? We can get this thing set up. We can get the authorities signed over and over and over again. And they're told no. This is on the record. Patel told Just the News that the police timeline validated the account he has given to Congress. Quote, Patel said the Capitol Police timeline shows what we've been saying for the last year that DOD support via the National Guard was refused by the House and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms report to Pelosi. Now we have it in their own writing, days before January 6. And despite the FBI warning of potential for serious disturbance, no perimeter was established. No agents were put on the street. No fence was put up. His words circulated around the nation's capital that the chief of police sunned wanted National Guardsmen deployed District of Columbia Mayor Muriel Bowser wrote a preemptive letter to Miller and other Pentagon and Justice Department officials asking that troops not be deployed unless the Metropolitan Police Department approved. 
citing an incident in the summer of 2020 when troops were deployed at Lafayette Park near the White House during civil disobedience. This has been my theory. They hate the cops. They hate the military. Pelosi has demonstrated that over and over and over again, as has her city, San Francisco, until late. And she denounced federal police protecting the Portland Federal Courthouse, which isn't Republican or Democrat. And that jumps for James Kleinberg, too, the number three Democrat, called the cops stormtroopers. Muriel Bowser, anti-cop, anti-military, pro-Black Lives Matter, condemned what took place at Lafayette Park. Condemned it, as did Pelosi. They were more concerned about their ideology and how it would look to their base. So they did not pull the trigger to get the National Guard there. Despite the threats. To be clear, the District of Columbia is not requesting other federal law enforcement personnel and discourages any additional deployment without immediate notification to the consultation with the Metropolitan Police if such plans are underway. So she said, you better not be deploying anybody until you coordinate with my guys and make sure that we say yes. Well, in the end, that didn't happen. Capitol Police and D.C. Police were overrun. And the Guard wasn't deployed until after violence spiraled out of control. That caused a mad scramble to send troops that had been offered and rejected days earlier, the records show. The evening before January 6th, the FBI's Norfolk, Virginia office sent an explicit warning. I've talked about this to some high-ranking officials in the Capitol Police that there was new intelligence that some planned attendees were thinking of storming the Capitol and targeting lawmakers for violence. What did they do? Nothing. Nothing. The report was not shared with the police chief of the Capitol. It was not shared with him. And as I recall, the director of the FBI had the memo on his desk and hadn't read it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. And Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, he signed a presidential order on January 4th, two days before January 6th, obviously, to deploy 20,000 National Guardsmen if requested by Congress. 
but he wasn't asked. This should put to bed this entire farce. And I'm strongly discouraging you from, uh, encouraging you not to watch this, discouraging you from watching it. This is a taxpayer-funded, Democrat Party, media-invented, invented propaganda operation. That is what it is. None of us oppose prosecuting violent perpetrators, but that's not what we're talking about here. In the least. So, I'm just suggesting to you, don't encourage this. You have power. On January 4th, President Trump signed the order for 20,000 National Guardsmen. Nancy Pelosi did not ask for them. Is that not the bottom line? Virtually every network and every news outlet with a carbon footprint is going to be covering this phony, fraudulent, Stalinist process starting in about four minutes. Therefore, I encourage you to listen to this third hour of this program and the rest of the radio lineup in on your local station or online or on satellite. Or, of course, you can watch Fox News Channel where they have their primetime lineup live as well. Don't give this any support. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free. To my listeners, by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Today... Jim Jordan, a great patriot, sent a letter to Benny Thompson, the chairman of this rogue operation, who tried to prevent George Bush from being seated as president, and then Donald Trump, the irony. We've never had a committee of Congress subpoena members of the opposite party. Obviously, we're going to places now because of the totalitarian mindset of Nancy Pelosi and her thugs. 
And the letter is a long letter. It's, it's a comprehensive letter. It's an important letter for the record. And I don't have time to read all of it to you, but I have read it all to myself. And among other things, he objects to, and I quote, how the select committee was only targeting Republican members for testimony and had not sought testimony from any Democrat members with responsibility for oversight of the security of the Capitol complex. That's why if you watch this tonight, you're really betraying yourself. There's a Democrat DNC effectively paid for with your tax dollars, Hollywood produced piece of propaganda crap. Now, Democrat members have already prejudiced the results of the select committee's work, calling Republicans traitors and accusing them of sedition. Now, the select committee sought to examine my votes in objection to the Electoral College certification in certain states, even though you and other senior Democrats made the same Electoral College objections following the 2000, 2004, and 2016 presidential elections. That would be the chairman of this farce. How Speaker Pelosi rejected Leader McCarthy's selection of Republican members to serve on the select committee in an unprecedented departure from long-standing practice. Oh, just 232 years. How the select committee had been investigating private citizens' political speech protected by the First Amendment. And how the select committee had attempted to gag telecommunications companies to prevent them from notifying subscribers that the select committee was seeking their private data. You believe that? I also raised concerns about the select committee's habit of leaking cherry-picked information to create misleading public narratives and its attempts to alter and misrepresent non-public information in its possession. I cited three specific examples, including one in which Representative Adam Schiff, a member of the committee, had doctored a text message I had forwarded to the White House Chief of Staff and falsely represented it to the American people at a public meeting of the select committee as my own words. I explained to you that these actions gave me no confidence that the committee would fairly or accurately represent any information I could provide. And then he goes further. He goes through this. And, of course, uh, the House authorized the appointment of 13 members. They didn't appoint 13 members. There's nine. Nine. Um, you don't have the Speaker of the House and the Democrat majority appointing the ranking Republican. That's a complete farce. That's an absurdity. You think if Mitch McConnell had a committee like this and appointed Manchin as the ranking Democrat, they wouldn't be laughed off by the media and everybody else? And he's attacking, of course, the effort by these committee members to gather information about another member's communications with other people, including the President of the United States. This is absolutely unprecedented totalitarianism. Dressed up. You know, the Democrats are what they accuse other people of being. They're the insurrectionists. They are. And worse, every day, trying to undermine and overturn our constitutional construct. And their rhetoric, and the rhetoric of their Democrat partners in the media, in my view, certainly contributed 
certainly contributed to the threat against a Supreme Court justice because they directly were threatening Supreme Court justices. Chuck Schumer should be prosecuted. He should be prosecuted. Maybe he should be in handcuffs and leg irons. By the way, we're still waiting for Media Matters to disclose what sex scandal their longtime former employees talking about, April 4th, among other things. They have an open invitation to come on this program and explain themselves. They refused. They haven't contacted us. Apparently, they're not going to. But we would like to know, inquiring minds want to know, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi discloses up to $1.5 million in Apple trades and up to 600000 in Microsoft months after supporting legislation regulating lawmakers' stock activity. So she says she supports legislation to control lawmakers' trading stocks. And months after she does that publicly, she and her big, dumb, drunk husband uh, are trading Apple and Microsoft stocks. This is the woman in charge of what legislation hits the floor. It'd be nice if a grand jury took a look at them, boy. I'll tell you what. They've made tens of millions of dollars since she's been speaker. You know, they go after Trump, who made billions before he became president. Why is there never any investigation of them? Where are all the Republican prosecutors? I mean, an eye for an eye, right, Mr. Producer? What's wrong with that? And she's in charge of what legislation hits the floor. And she rules with an iron fist. Eva does. Biden administration changes rules to get graft flowing to left-wing cronies again. I've been meaning to get to this. I'm trying to find out where the, the Battle Swarm blog. Excellent. The Battle Swarm blog. What does this mean? On May 5, Attorney General Merrick Garland revoked a Trump-era rule that specifically prohibited the Department of Justice from directing funds from corporate settlements to finance third-party organizations and causes. The use of these so-called settlement slush funds became so rampant under Obama that the House passed the Stop Settlement Slush Funds Act in 2017 in an attempt to end it. That bill was introduced in the Senate but failed to get the necessary votes. Under the Obama Justice Department, corporate fines were directed to organizations, including the Sierra Club, the National Community Reinvestment Coalition, National Council of Laza, and such groups. What happens here, ladies and gentlemen, is the radicals in the Democrat administrations, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Antitrust Division of the Justice, and so on and on and on. The government is sued by their allies in these phony nonprofit front groups, these Marxist organizations. And so rather than litigate it to court and defeat them, they force these corporations, I should say, excuse me, the corporations are sued. They force these corporations to reach these huge settlements. So the government sues these corporations. And then they direct in the settlements 
an enormous sums of money as part of the settlement go to these Marxist Democrat Party endorsed organizations. The corruption, the ideological preferences. These people have squirreled into our government. They're stealing you blind on your taxes. This phony committee. I've had enough of this. I am so sick and tired of it. I talked about the ruling class. The ruling class. We have a special guest coming on. I want to pursue this after I speak to our special guest who will be on in literally minutes when we return. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, as you can see from this Soviet-style investigation and hearing that's going on and the corrupt media and so forth, we really need to send patriots to Congress and as soon as possible. And one of those great patriots running I've known a long time and I've endorsed is Adam Laxalt from the great state of Nevada. And I knew his grandfather very, very well. And his grandfather treated me incredibly. Even the first time he met me, he didn't even know me. Did you know that, Adam? That you're, uh, he, yes, he treated me with story, such respect. That's how he was. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, I mean, I, I go to his uh, Senate office. He doesn't know me. I'm from Pennsylvania. We're in New Jersey for the summer. I call in, trying to remember, oh, was it Elaine? Was that his secretary's name? I want to make sure. Eileen. Yeah. And uh, I go in. He's with my dad and me. It's got to be 20 to 30 minutes. And I have the picture on my wall. And you're terrific, too. You have the same attitude the, the, the same decency, the same principles. He was Ronald Reagan's best friend, really. And um, so tell us Mark, about what's I, going I on a, in Nevada. I got a chance to uh, knock yeah. some doors in, in our capital city yesterday. And uh, I knocked on this guy's door and ended up in his garage. And he was a Vietnam vet who signed up when he was 18. And they held him till he was 19, which apparently wow. was... Uh, it had to be to you actually get shipped over. And uh, he just describes this, this long story of, uh, you know, born and bred in Nevada. And, and you know, spending that time with this guy in, in our garage and in his garage and, and hearing why he still wants to fight for this country and why he's supporting someone like me to be his voice. You know, I walked away and I just said, this is who I'm running for. It is mm-hmm. this person that we are giving a voice to are people that don't have a voice. And, um, you know, we got to remind ourselves that every day because, uh, you know, the attacks, the negativity, all the terrible pieces that come, come with campaigning. Uh, this, this is what we're doing. We're trying to save America and we're standing up for people that have been left behind and that we know our elites and our media, they don't represent any of us. No, they're not even paying attention to them with the gasoline prices, the inflation, the baby formula, the, the food shortage is going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Uh, securing the border and so forth and so on. Now, in your state of Nevada, there's been really significant demographic changes. You have a significant Hispanic population. And that population is increasingly conservative and in voting Republican. 
What do you think accounts for that? Look, it's, it's, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, since 2020, in my state, we went from having a booming economy with all-time record uh, lows for unemployment and, and high wages and a real shot at the American dream to an economy that was shut down by a blue state governor and, and schools that were kept closed unnecessarily uh, until this year. And um, it really, really hurt these communities. You had Hispanic small businesses shut down uh, permanently because of COVID. And they, they woke up and, and they looked at this party that claimed they represent them for all these years. And they realized this party hates America. This mm-hmm. party does not believe in American exceptionalism. They attack the American dream. They poison our kids. And I think, you know, that's one of the big pieces. Obviously, uh, BLM was, was watershed for us as well. You know, we had violence in Las Vegas. We had an officer, Officer Shea, that was shot in the head. And mm. the Democrats stand against this. Did Senator Catherine Cortez Masto stand against this? She was nowhere to be found. They were supporting all of this activity. And I think the Hispanic community realized, wow, this party does not represent us. They believe in law and order. They understand the importance of it. You can't have a, a chance at the American dream if you don't have safety in your schools. Mm-hmm. You don't have a chance to have safe streets. You don't even have a chance to send your kids to school. And so right now, the last two public polls, Mark, had us tied 50-50 with Senator Masto in, in the Hispanic community. And uh, this is a huge opportunity for us to continue to sell our conservative message and, and win this block, I, I think, for a generation. Now, tell us, uh, the Republican primary voting in person takes place on what date? Ne- this Tuesday, June mm-hmm. 14th. June 14th. And uh, there's a number of people running, so you really need Republicans to turn out and vote for you, not to just sit back and expect you to win, correct? Absolutely. We need everyone to turn out. We can't take anything for granted. We feel great about the race. Uh, one of my opponents has uh, lost a, a race in Texas, and he was the third least conservative person in that race. So he's repackaged himself as a quote-unquote outsider in this race. Uh, and, of course, mouths all the talking points. Uh, but we, we know that our Nevada conservative voters are going to reject that. They know that I've been the conservative voice for them when I was attorney general and when I was the Trump chairman in 2020. That's why President Trump endorsed me in week one. In fact, we just did a, a tele-rally with him last night. We've got Don Jr. coming in this Friday, and uh, we are just barnstorming the entire state, making sure everybody understands this is the race that's going to decide the future of the Senate. It's the 51st seat. And we have an opportunity to send a conservative on behalf of Nevada for six years in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, it's very important. That's why these these races matter all over the country, even though uh, Adam Laxalt's running in Nevada. It matters in New York. It matters in California. It matters in Texas. It matters because if we don't take the Senate and take the House. Uh, we're in big trouble. We're in very, very big trouble. Now, you're the Democrat who's the senator whose name escapes me, so I don't really care. It escapes everybody because she's kind of in the witness protection program. She just votes down the line with Schumer, doesn't she? 
she's she's 100% with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. And, um, you know, I like to remind Nevadans because they, like you, uh, they can oftentimes not recall her name. And after 13 years representing the state, she has nothing to show for her service. Um, but I like to remind Nevadans, if she ever stood with us and broke with her party, we'd all know her name because she'd be standing with Joe Manchin against Bill Back Better. She'd be standing with Joe, Joe Manchin against Open Borders against the George Floyd Policing Act uh, that attacked our, our law enforcement. But no, she's been on the Democrat, reliably on the Democrat side for all of these major issues. And Mark, you know, we got some great news a few weeks ago. The statewide law enforcement coalition, which includes Las Vegas Metro and Reno Police, they, they left her. They had endorsed her in 16. And even though she's the incumbent, they endorsed me in this race because they know Wonderful. I stand with law enforcement. And I've endorsed you early on, Adam Laxalt. If people want to help you in Nevada and throughout the country, where do they go? AdamLaxalt.com. We need a conservative patriots. We need everybody to turn out on June 14th. Turn out on June 14th. That's AdamLaxalt.com. Come on. We can do this, America. And I'll be right back. Thank you. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. I I have a question, folks. Let me be more specific. I have a question for you FBI agents out there. I have a question for you U.S. Marshals out there. I have a question. When are you going to stand on the side of liberty? When are you going to tell your bosses that what they are doing is destroying America? When are you going to tell the Attorney General of the United States? And you can do it as a group because you'll be more protected as a group than as an individual in terms of HR and all the rest. 
Why aren't you publicly admonishing them for not applying the law equally? Why are you doing what they demand that you do? Turning a blind eye to violations of 18 United States Code 1507, especially after a Supreme Court justice's life has been threatened. And yet work with SWAT teams to chase down people for misdemeanors. For misdemeanors. I'd always had so much faith in you. I'm not talking about the local cops and local law enforcement. I'm talking about you guys who I used to work with when I was at the Justice Department under President Reagan and Attorney General Meese. When I was the chief of staff. What's happened to you? Why don't you rise up? I don't mean physically and violently, but why don't you rise up and speak out? against what they tried to do to Donald Trump with Russia collusion. Those were your bosses. Why don't you rise up and speak out about the two-tier justice system? That if you trespass on the Capitol grounds, I'm not talking about breaking into the Capitol. If you trespass on the Capitol grounds, you're sitting in prison. You have a criminal record. They'll hunt you down. If you're running against the Democrat governor of Michigan, they're going to surveil you for a year and then arrest you at the most propitious time, the politically most propitious time. That comes from the top, that order. That comes from the top. I know from my own experience. Any arrest, any charge that could have significant public ramifications... has to get the approval at the highest level. Why do you put up with this? Why are you silent about this? Your colleagues in law enforcement at the local level, the various police departments, their departments are being nationalized. They're being forced to adopt the radical left's agenda. Why aren't you speaking out? It's one of my great disappointments. I'm not saying there should be a rebellion. That's the way Biden speaks. But there's no reason as a group that you can't begin to object to what's taking place so you can force change. You're not the law enforcement for the Democrat Party. You're not the law enforcement for a Democrat administration. You're not law enforcement for a politically corrupt attorney general and an incompetent FBI director. You're not Nancy Pelosi's handmaidens. What's happened? You took an oath, too. What's happened? I'm quite serious. What's going on? And over at the U.S. Supreme Court, another disaster. This is breaking. The Supreme Court just cleared the way for election officials in Pennsylvania to count mail-in ballots whose envelopes are missing a handwritten date as required by state law.
It was a one-pager ruling. Three justices were in dissent. Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch. Once again, Kavanaugh, once again, I think this Coney Barrett or Barrett Coney, she to me is the greatest disappointment on the court. Kavanaugh, I told you, was going to be a disaster. She is utterly and completely dishonest in my view. Utterly and completely dishonest. Way over her head. Way, way over her head. It's unfortunate. I thought she'd be absolutely a star among constitutionalists. She's not a star. She's a disaster. The dissent was written by Sam Alito, joined by Thomas and Gorsuch said, when a mail-in ballot is not counted because it was not filled out correctly, the voter is not denied the right to vote. Rather, that individual's vote is not counted because he or she did not follow the rules for casting a ballot. Casting a vote, whether by following the directions for using a voting machine or completing a paper ballot, requires compliance with certain rules. He's exactly right. So what the hell? The court going to get involved in every one of these cases? Now, this will help the Democrats in Pennsylvania. Why? Because it is a corrupt party with corrupt politicians. One of their politicians was charged with stuffing ballots for several years now. I mean, a lot of ballots. But it never happens, does it, ladies and gentlemen? No. All of a sudden, 2020 was the cleanest election in American history despite the fact there were fewer safeguards than at any time in American history. This is what we're told. All these lawsuits brought. Isn't it amazing how the left wins all their lawsuits? This lawsuit was brought by Chuck Cooper, Charles Cooper, who served with me in the Meese-Reagan Justice Department. But he's gone to the other side. He represented Bolton. And then in this case, um, he persuaded and made the case to McCormick that we should challenge these, these defective ballots and get them counted because that way you might win. So sort of an Al Gore type litigation. And I told you at the time that was going to hurt the Republicans come the fall. If we lose that seat, among others, you can thank Chuck, Chup- Chuck Cooper. And you can thank these six members of the Supreme Court, particularly those two that I mentioned. Disaster. And the Democrats, the sleaziness never stops. Remember, I reported to you that one of the reasons Donald Trump's preferred candidates in Georgia lost wasn't because he was rejected by Republicans. Is because in Georgia, the rules are so screwed up that Democrats could vote in the Republican primary. So they were shedding their Democrat affiliation and voting Republican by the thousands. This is now organized throughout the country. Just because you don't read it in the paper or hear about it on TV doesn't mean it's happening under the radar. And it is. And that is how the rhinos who won in Georgia won. 
Same thing is going on in other places in the country. Thousands of Democrats are changing their voter registration in Colorado in Lauren Boebert's district ahead of the primary. They're doing the same thing in Wyoming to try and make sure that Lynn Cheney wins the Republican nomination there. So they are sleazy, they are dishonest, they are conniving. Thousands of voters have recently left the Democrat Party in western Colorado. Thousands. Some as part of grassroots efforts to defeat Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert in her upcoming primary election. Let's get her back on, Mr. Producer. Her election, that election, is on June 28. And so Democrats are sinister here. They're moving by the thousands into the Republican Party. They can vote Republican or Democrat if they're unaffiliated to. Most of them are moving unaffiliated to nominate a person instead of Lauren Boebert as the nominee. Have you seen anything written about this? Have you? In any major news site? No, you haven't. Why is that? This is happening all over the country. We're all the Republican operatives who are on TV and radio telling us who can win and who can't win. Why aren't they helping to, to reveal this information? I happen to think Lauren Boebert is a fantastic congressman. Fantastic. She's a citizen congressman. And I strongly endorse her for re-election. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I wanted to end the show tonight with this from Town Hall, Spencer Brown. School resource officer takes down suspicious person trying to enter Alabama elementary school. This happened today. A suspicious person outside an elementary school in Alabama was reportedly shot and killed by a school resource officer and local law enforcement on Thursday while all the reported 34 children inside remained safe. The Walnut Park Elementary School in Gadsden, Alabama, I know exactly where Gadsden is, where a summer literacy camp for elementary-aged children was taking place. A report was made that someone was attempting to gain entry to the vehicles and building on site. The Gadsden Times explains a Rainbow City police officer working as a school resource officer for the city program went outside, encountered that person, became involved in an altercation, called for backup. Officers responded. It resulted in that person being fatally shot. So I would pass this along to the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo, although they're obsessed with other things. I would pass this along to Michael Steele, and I'll never forget it when he said, the killing in Buffalo demonstrated that armed guards in the schools don't work. Or something to that idiotic effect. Oh, they work. If they do what they're supposed to do. And they're trained. And this gentleman did exactly that. And the superintendent, Tony Reddick, said the community is very blessed that our staff took care of all our regular protocol in regards to school safety. When an aggressive man went to several doors trying to get in the school while students were in summer learning programs. That's how you stop a killer. You confront them. Superintendent added his district has 18 or 19 school 
you know, guards, officers assigned to the 13 schools in the community. I want to salute them. I want to salute them. God bless them for what they did. Ladies and gentlemen, show self-restraint. Don't tune in. We don't want to be an audience to a pack of lies in a Democrat Party production. We believe in the Constitution. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, and our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. I need to focus on that more tomorrow because it's very important. And I'll see you tomorrow. 